Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. totally sure what a heater is, but I hope it's a heater of a message for you today. That is my goal. Brent, I'm going to preach a heater. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, heater, Las Vegas. Um, Welcome to Coastline Nights. So glad to have you with us. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to share with you tonight. I'm the campus pastor in the West Shore, and so my name's Adam. We love the West Shore. If you live in the West Shore, come say hi. Belmont Secondary School, that's where we meet, and uh, it was a great, great morning this morning, and uh, so good to be with you today. It's uh, Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving. Look at the person beside you and say, happy Thanksgiving. If someone hasn't said it to you yet, say, happy Thanksgiving. We're happy that you are here, and we have so much to be thankful for as we launch into a new season as Coastline Nights, and you're a part of that. And as we walk into this next season, we are coastline. This is the series that we're walking through. We've been speaking through uh, Isaiah 61. And in Isaiah 61, there's a particular verse I want to highlight for you today, just before we jump into this evening's content. And the words sound like this. Isaiah 61, verse 7. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace you'll rejoice in your inheritance. That is how God works. God functions on a different economy. God functions on a different mindset. God functions in a different way than our culture in the here and the now. And our title for this evening's message is We Are Faithful. So if you're taking notes, write We Are Faithful. If you're not taking notes, mental note. We Are Faithful. Noted. We've been looking through um, our four pillars in terms of our series recently. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And, and as a church um, with, with many different campuses, this is really our heartbeat. This is, these are the pillars in which we stand. This is how we function. But as we, as we transition to this next part of the series, my heart has been challenged. And this morning, I read the verse from Luke chapter 16, verse 13. And this verse, I haven't been able to get out of my head. And it's probably not on the screen, but I'm going to read it for you right now. And it sounds like this, if you're unfamiliar with it. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you hate one and you love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So for the next three weeks, we're going to do something, something a little bit different. We're actually going to pivot and we're going to shift our focus. And we're actually going to zero in on the subject of money. You see, God is moving at coastline. And this verse, what this verse shows us is it shows us that we can't serve both God and money. And we're believing for revival. We're believing that God is moving and God certainly is. People are coming to know Jesus in, in, in mass. 
But it's important that we touch on this subject, especially as we launch into a new season. Because the scriptures are clear. You, you, you can't serve both. You can't serve God and then serve money. And money can be an idol, especially as we start into this new season of ministry. It's important for you to know where, where we stand as a church, where, where we stand as a church when it comes to things like generosity, where we stand as a church when it comes to things like finances and, and, and stewardship. So you can know what, what you've maybe gotten yourself into if this is your first time here. But before we start, I, I wanna highlight a few things just to make sure we're all on the same page. Number one, I, I am completely and utterly aware that, that a sermon on money kind of makes things awkward. That's why we have it a little bit dim here so you can roll your eyes and I won't feel awkward. But as a pastor, I can't, I can't, just, I can't just preach about things that people want to hear. Sometimes, sometimes we need to speak about things that we need to hear. My littlest, my littlest Thomas, actually I'll keep him anonymous, my littlest son, <laughs> he, he, once told, he told me just this last week, he's like, Dad, I want to eat dessert all day, every day. <laughs> I, I only want dessert for dinner. <laughs> I remember looking at him like just so seriously saying, uh, Thomas, how do you not know that that will kill you? <laughs> like you, you can't only eat dessert. You need to eat vegetables. You need to eat meat. And trust me when I tell you that even though we're gonna be talking about money today, this sermon is about more than just money. At its core, really, it's about you and your relationship with God. So don't be nervous. Number two, uh, I'm not on commission sales. So, so as a pastor in this church, I don't make more money if you give more money. <laughs> so, 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 don't, so don't think that. Because there's a lot of lies when we start thinking about money or hearing sermons about money that, that we start to tend to believe. And we're like, oh, great, here we go. Now he's going to start preaching about money so this guy can get a better car. It's not that. We, the, the leadership team sets the salaries. So it has nothing to do with what I receive. And number three, I want you to hear this. I don't own anything at the church. None of us pastors, we don't, we don't own these things. Like this, this preaching table, this isn't my preaching table. This is our preaching table. This stage, this isn't my stage. This is, this is our, our stage. Like as, as Coastline Church, this is ours. It's not my church. When you give it Coastline, this is our church. And that thought alone has helped me to reframe the subject of money when it comes to offerings and, and the misconceptions that, that come about when we talk about finances, right? So that, that, that's me, but let, let's look at the scriptures. So do you realize that in the scriptures, 500 times it talks about prayer? And, and 500 times it talks about faith. And when we think about that, we're like, okay, well, that makes sense. That's the Bible, 500 times prayer, 500 times faith, that's a lot. But money, it actually talks about money 2,000 times in the Bible. It talks about money and possessions, either speaking to it directly or, or indirectly, indirectly using it as, a, as an object lesson. The, 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 the point is God, God talks about finances, but we in our church and in our culture, finances are awkward, so we don't tend to talk about it. And what inadvertently happens is we have a, a, a congregation of people who aren't aware of scripture verses like the one in Luke where it says, I can't serve both God and money. And we don't even realize that there's, there's negative impacts 
that can take place. Now, now we all come from different backgrounds in this room. Okay, we're, we're, we're keenly aware that, that on, on a Sunday night service, not everybody goes to coastline Sunday mornings. Right? Some of us come from different spiritual backgrounds even, or, or maybe different emotional or, or ethnic backgrounds, theological backgrounds, different perspectives on how we interpret the scriptures, different domestic backgrounds, social backgrounds, economic, financial backgrounds. We are a diverse community for sure and for certain. And what that means is it means that we're going to all have a different viewpoint when it comes to how the Bible speaks about money. But tonight, and for these next two weeks, we're not going to drill into this forever. But for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about finances. So that way we can see what the scriptures has to say. Because God has a great deal to say when it comes to money. And I need to hear this. Like at its core, at its its purest point, money and giving is actually a heart issue. Quite honestly, it's, it's a discipleship issue. And you will stunt your spiritual development if you do not align yourself to God's word in your financial life. Just as you will stunt your spiritual development if you don't align yourself to God's word as it relates to uh, your, your relationships or, or your emotional health. We, we understand spiritual health, that's intuitive, but your financial health is also impacted. And this is what I've seen to be true, okay? A heart that's been touched by God gives generously. And it starts with a tithe. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says these words. It says, each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, you're not, you're not forced to give money. In fact, nobody wants you to do that. What the scriptures say is, it says, each of you should give what you've decided on your own in your heart. Don't give it reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, nobody's forced to give. There, there, there's actually no pressure. This is a not a you gotta give guilt sermon, okay? My heart and intention this evening is to help you reframe your perspective on money. So that way you can experience God's full blessing in your life. In many ways, this sermon is entitled, We Are Faithful. But perhaps a more accurate title, especially tonight, would have been, We Are Thankful. We're thankful for what it is that God has done and God has given us. And so Lord, show us how to use it. Because I'll tell you, I I know from personal experience, when, when Shandy and I, Shandy's my wife, When we learned to trust God in this area of our lives, it impacted everything. When we learned to surrender our finances and how we see money to the Lord, right? All of a sudden, we began to get this uh, understanding of peace that we we didn't actually understand before that. Um, Security, this, this, this understanding that God is actually my provider. Um, uh, A confidence. This confidence that that what I believe is actually true because you know what? I was able to see tangible proof. Tangible proof to me that God exists in the form of provision and blessing in ways that didn't make sense by any other means. When I learned to surrender my finances and surrender the way I see money, that's when I learned to see God move in ways that I didn't even think were possible. 
As Christians, what we do is we, we give out of a heart that's been touched by God. That's, that's the point. We're, we're blessed to be a blessing, right? We, Shandy and I, we, we, we hold firmly to this idea that we live our life with open hands. That anything that's been given to us, we can't hold it like this. Because we don't know when, when, when God's going to move. When God's going to ask us to maybe, maybe give. It's hard to give somebody something when your hands are closed too. <laughs> and when you have a closed fist, it's hard for God to, God to work with that. Shani and I, we see everything we own as a blessing from God. Everything. When I first became a Christian, I, I, I was working at McDonald's. No big, little humble brag there. It's a little flex. Worked at McDonald's back in the day. And I worked there with my wife, Shandy. Although we weren't married at that point. We were just dating. Well, I mean, we're just in high school. I mean, nobody's married in high school. We're not homeschoolers. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Shandy was, though. Awkward. Um, but we were working at McDonald's together. And it was actually when I first became a Christian that I began to learn this concept of tithing. I began to learn this concept of giving. I began to learn this concept of how God sees money and how I'm supposed to respond. And I remember working at McDonald's when I began to realize that, yes... Sure, it was, it was me who was earning the money. And I remember having a hard time that first time it came to giving an offering. So it's kind of like, God, well, this is mine. Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit, but, but this, is, this is mine. I'll give you what is mine, God. This is my gift of my stuff to you. And it wasn't until I, I, I backed up and I began to see it from a different perspective where it was, what if everything that I have isn't mine? But what if it's actually God's? And what if God actually gave it to me? And yes, maybe I was flipping the burgers and making the cheddar. But at the end of the day, it was actually God who provided me with the opportunity to work. So at the end of the day, it wasn't actually McDonald's who was my provider, but it was God who was my provider. And that perspective changed everything. All of a sudden, I was able to see God as, as, as the provision maker when, when times got tough. Because when times are tough, I don't just go to McDonald's and be like, hey, McDonald's, it's really hard. Can I have a race? They're like, no, man. But when times are tough, I can go to my provider and say, God, I need your help. And God is faithful. Shandy and I, we, we give because we've been given too. That's our motivation. God gave to us, so, so we should give to him. So how much do we give? That's a great question. You see, at Coastline, what we, are, we are what you would call a tithing church. Meaning we practice the principle of giving God 10% of what we earn. And when Shandy and I give our tithe to Coastline, we, what we do is we actually see it like this. Okay, We give our, our tithe, our, our 10%, back to Jesus. But we give it to Jesus through the church. That way we, that way we can fuel the ministry of the church. So we give to Jesus, to the church, so that we can do the ministry through the church. That's how it functions. A tithe simply means a tenth. When we talk about a tithe in the church, what we're talking about is giving 10%. But not just any 10, but giving the, the first 10%, the first tenth to the Lord. Pastor Andy shared some stats with me, and the stats are very fascinating. He, he, he told me about how, how during COVID in 2020, it was a record year for charitable giving in the United States. 
which is really fascinating because like everything sucked. Everything was hard. It was very difficult. And, and, and people were nervous. People were losing their jobs financially. We were in a crisis, but, uh, but they responded with, with great faith. And there was actually an increase in charitable giving. Canadians were like half as generous as the Americans. We gave half as much. On average, Canadian Christians, we give 1.7% of our income to the church. 1.7. And approximately 30% of church attenders actually give nothing to the church. 5% though, 5% of church attenders give regularly, so that's awesome. But 75 to 90% of church attenders do not tithe. And this is why we're talking about this today. Because there's 75 to 90% of church attenders who do not realize the blessing that comes when we surrender our finances to God. It's one thing to say, oh, I don't serve money. I serve God only. But you can test that by looking at how you spend your money. The interesting thing about tithing is that when many people start tithing, they actually don't stop doing it. I remember when I first became a Christian, I lived in Nanaimo. And so I started tithing in Nanaimo. But then I moved to Edmonton for school. And so I started tithing there because I saw the blessing of it. Then I moved back to Nanaimo to pastor there and I started tithing there. Then I moved back to Edmonton and started tithing there. I really want to stop that pattern because Alberta is the worst. And then, then we moved back to Victoria, praise Jesus, and, and we kept that principle going. Because there's something interesting about tithing. Because when people start, they don't tend to stop. Why do you think that is? It's because people begin to see the benefit of it. They begin to experience the benefit. Personally, we've seen this in our life. I've seen how God has, has, has showed up in ways that didn't make sense. I've seen how God blesses obedience. I remember when we were moving from Edmonton to Victoria four and a half years ago. Out of nowhere, we got this unexpected bill for $1,000. Now, $1,000 for some people isn't that much money, but for me, I was like, oh my gosh, a thousand bucks. How are we gonna pay this? And I remember thinking to myself, well, technically we're moving churches. So technically, maybe I can use some of my tithe to help cover the cost of this bill. Because technically, who's gonna know? I was there, but now I'm moving here. Technically, I'm probably fine. But I started feeling dirty. And so I remember praying. And it was just this very awkward, very real prayer. It looked like this. God, I don't know how I'm gonna pay this bill, but I need to pay it. Lord, I need a miracle because I don't want to take my tithe and pay this. I, 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 I need you to show up in my life. You're my provider, aren't you? So can, can you help me out? And that was it. And the next day I got a phone call. And I, 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 I promise you, this is true. The next day my friend phoned me. And he said, Adam, I don't mean to offend you because this wasn't common practice of him just phoning me up. He said, I don't mean to offend you, but... Last night while I was praying, the Lord put you and Shandy on my heart. And I don't mean to offend you, but, but I feel like God told me that you needed me to give you $1,000. And so here's a thousand bucks. And I remember stepping back and thinking to myself, oh my word, like, like, like miracles happen. 
happen. And sometimes, like, I don't know what you think a miracle looks like. Sometimes we get this idea that God just like, poof, makes money appear to thin air. But, but God, the way, the way miracles work is God, oftentimes, he puts it on somebody's heart to respond. And then, and that person, out of obedience, he responds. And, and they actually get to be a part of that miracle. And so, so you very well, maybe, maybe God is telling you that, hey, hey, you, you need to give to somebody. And God wants to use you to be a miracle in somebody else's life. But I remember that day, it was so clear and so for certain. Wow, God, you answer prayers. Wow, God, you are real. Wow, God, you bless obedience. If, if Christians in North America took seriously their responsibility to tithe, hold my word, we could end world hunger. We could end illiteracy. We could provide clean drinking water everywhere on the planet. Every, every missionary would be fully funded. We, we, could send, we could send missionaries anywhere they wanted to go. We could have churches that had no debt. I think of us in the West Shore. We could actually have a campus versus meeting in a high school theater. Like, like it's exciting. Think about this thought. Faithful Christians build world-changing churches. And I believe that Coastline is a world-changing church. I'm gonna shoot you straight. The church needs to be strong internally to withstand the growing pressures externally. And so I'll say it again. A heart that has been touched by God gives generously. And it all starts with a tithe. Now, now some churches, they don't, they, they, they don't wanna talk about this kind of stuff. In fact, they're afraid to even touch this topic for, for fear of stereotyping. And I've heard some Christians say, we have it, we had it. I've heard it so many times. I used to say this. I don't tithe because it's Old Testament law. I practice New Testament giving. That's the kind of giver I am. That person, I say, great. Great, you don't have to practice the tithe because Jesus always took the law and went up. I mean, this is how he, he functioned. In the scriptures, we see Jesus say, the law says don't murder. I say don't be angry even. He takes the requirements of the law and increases the expectation. Jesus always takes it higher. The law says don't, don't, don't commit adultery. Jesus says, well, don't even lust. You think 10% is one thing? <laughs> How about 100%? If, you, if you're saying that the law was 10%, where do you go up from there? All of a sudden, this conversation of New Testament giving is kind of irrelevant if you want to use it to not tithe. Some Christians, they say, well, Jesus didn't even talk about tithing, so, so I'm not going to tithe. The problem is that sometimes in the scriptures, you'll, you'll, you'll know this if you read it often enough, you'll notice that, that, that sometimes things are assumed in there. Like, he didn't talk about Jesus all the time eating breakfast and lunch and dinner. We just assumed that he ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner because that's what people did, <laughs> right? And, and similarly, culturally speaking, it was just understood and assumed that, that, that people tithed. Like, you can see evidence of that in Matthew 23, verse 23. We'll throw it on the screen. It says this. It says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices. In other words, you give a tithe, of your spices, your mint, your dill, your cumin. They tithe on everything. 
But you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. In other words, Jesus is like, I don't even need to talk about tithing. That's just assumed. What I need to get to the, I want to get to the real dirt, the real, the real nitty gritty. We need, to, we need to act with justice, mercy, and faithfulness. That, that, that's what's important. But, but tithing, well, obviously, we all do that. People obviously practice tithing in the Old Testament, or in the Bible. Secondly, I always see just, just the way Jesus talked about money. He always, he always upped it. Like Luke chapter 3, verse 11, it says, if you have two, two tunics, you give away one. It speaks to this idea of like of 50%. If you, oh, you got two coats? Well, why don't you give someone else an extra coat if you got two? With Zacchaeus, when Zacchaeus, the tax collector, became a Christian, he climbed up a tree, he saw Jesus. Jesus radically transformed his life. And Zacchaeus was so pumped. He said, you know what I'm going to do, Jesus? I'm going to sell everything I have and I'm going to give everything to the poor. And actually, no, I'm going to give half. I'm going to give half of everything to the poor. Everything I own, I'm going to give it away. And Jesus, he didn't correct him. He wasn't like, ah, actually, Zach, bro, you're being, what are you, like, oversaved? Like, chill out, man. Just 10%, that's fine. You're making us look bad. No, he, he, he just left it. In fact, Jesus said, today, well, salvation has come on your house. In Mark 10, we have the story of the rich young ruler. And Jesus literally looks at him and says, oh, man, you need to sell everything and give it to the poor. And in this scenario, he's talking 100%. So, so 10% is one thing. When Jesus talked about giving, he's using some pretty radical percentages. I mean, even if you think of Luke 14, 33, he says, if you're going to follow me, you need to lay down your life. If you're going to follow me, you need to give me 100% of who you are. That's what he calls us to. And I wonder what Jesus would have said to the affluent Christian who averages 1.7% in Canadian giving. I have a hard time believing he's sitting there thinking to himself, well done, good and faithful servant. 1.7%, you're crushing it. I just don't think that's how he works. Paul spoke to giving. 1 Corinthians chapter 60, verse two. Your giving should be regular and consistent and in keeping with your income. 2 Corinthians 8, go above and beyond your ability in giving. 2 Corinthians 9, verse seven and eight. Give and God will give you more so that you can give more keeps going up and the blessings keep coming down. It's incredible. If you look at Leviticus, Old Testament law, it says these words. It says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain, from soil, from fruit of the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Leviticus 27 verse 30. Holy means to be set apart. It means it's different from the rest. It means that a tithe should be different, treated differently than the rest of the, the, your, your money. First, in Deuteronomy 26, it says, I've removed from my house the sacred portion. Like there's something spiritual about the tithe. It's holy. And so I make sure I give it to God. The first tenth blesses the rest. And we believe that when we give God a tithe, God will be free to give us more so that we can be more of a blessing. When I look at our story as a family, we've, we've seen how when, when, we, when we practice the, the discipline of tithing, 
God blesses the 90%. And the 90% goes further than it would have if we had the 100% in our bank account. To me, the, the most compelling argument, though, when I look at the scriptures, when it comes to tithing, is found in Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. It says these words. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be no room, or there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be delightful, will be a delightful land, says God. This verse literally promises you that if you tithe, something supernatural, supernatural will happen. Just try it. God literally gives you a money back guarantee with this verse. He says, test me. It's a perfect scenario. But I wanna illustrate what this looks like to you using these two tables. And so, so we're gonna bring up some fruit and vegetables right now, just so that you can get this principle into your, into your, into your eyes and into your head. Because tithing actually isn't complicated but we've overcomplicated it in our hearts. And so this, this table is gonna represent the 90%. And on this table, we have 90% of, of the food. And on this table, we have our tithe, which represents the 10%. And so we have 90% of the carrots, 10% of the carrots. We have 90% of the, of the this, I was gonna call this a watermelon. It's definitely not a watermelon. This is a pineapple. One, or we got 10% of the pineapples. Here we got onions, 10 onions. We got one onion that goes over here. Here we got potatoes. We got 10 potatoes. We got over here, we got the 10%. We have the 90%. 90, 10. What do we got next? We got cucumbers. Ladies and gentlemen, we love the cucumbers. 90% of our table has cucumbers. 10%. And as we lay this out, we need, I got an onion, but I need a, a squash. Do we have squashes? I didn't know what these were called in the morning service, and it was really embarrassing. This is a squash, ladies and gentlemen. And there we go. And I want you to see what is taking place here. And I want you to allow the spirit to, to use this imagery to speak to your soul. This is the principle of tithing where we take our first tenth and we say, God, I'm gonna give this to you. And God then says, you can live off the 90. <laughs> like, look at this picture of abundance. There, there's stuff back here that you can't even see from the front. God is doing stuff, giving you things that you couldn't even tell were on this table. There's a hidden squash back here. <laughs> And you would, never, you would never know because in the 90, there actually is this overflowing element. And what God is saying with the tithe, he's saying, set aside your first fruits first. Set aside the 10%, give that to me. And he's saying, this actually isn't because I need your food, but it's because you need to know how to give. It's a powerful illustration. Dave Ramsey says it this way. If you can't live on 90%, if you can't live on this, then you can't live on the 100%. And what I want you to see here is what I don't want you to do is this. This nasty banana, gross and stinky. This is, this is what I'm gonna give to God. 
Because what happens oftentimes in life is we, we think that we can just get away with giving God the kind of the least. Give God the stuff that we don't really need, stuff that we don't really want, and we'll give that to God. And then we tell ourselves, oh man, we are fervent. Especially when we say, you know what, Jesus, I'm gonna give you this. I'm gonna give you all my stinky, rotten bananas. And we tell ourselves that that is fruitful giving. But God's like, why would you give me all your stinky, rotten bananas? That's not what this is about. I don't need your half-eaten eggplants. I need you to understand the principle of tithing, of understanding giving me your first fruits. The other thing we do sometimes, which is really awkward, is, is we actually take from God's table what's already his. And then we take the tithe and we say, God, I know this is your carrots, but I'm gonna re-give you your carrots. And we try and re-gift things to God. <laughs> and so we take what's supposed to be the 10%, we say, God, I know I was supposed to give this to you, but I tell you what, I'm just gonna give this to you. Can I have some bonus points? And God's like, what? That's not how this works. Like, like, you don't take what's mine and give it back to me and say, give me a high five. That's not how God functions. He looks back and he steps back. He's like, no, 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 no. This was already supposed to be mine. And that's why this illustration is so powerful because what we're able to see is we have all of this and that's what God has. And so, so we believe in this whole concept of, of above and beyond giving. So every month we, we, we give our 10%, but sometimes God puts something on our heart. Oh, wow, there's a kingdom builders project. You know what I'm gonna do? Look at all these potatoes and carrots have. I don't need all these potatoes and carrots. God, use these potatoes and carrots to make an impact in India. Oh man, God, you're moving. You know, I actually don't need nine bags of potatoes. Who needs that many potatoes? God, I'm gonna actually give you, give you more because I want you to be able to use what you've entrusted to me for your kingdom work. Church, let's, let's refuse to give God the leftovers. Let's give him our best. And this is how we see God move both in here and across the island and around the country and around the world. Because a heart that's been touched by God gives generously to fuel his church and it all starts with a tithe. Sir John Templeton, he said these words, so I've observed 100,000 families over my years of investment counseling. And I always saw greater prosperity and happiness among those families who tithed than amongst those who didn't. Once you start giving, you find the joy of giving. Abraham, we're at the beginning of the Bible. Abraham, he, he wins this battle as the underdog and frees Lot. And then Abraham, as a, as a way to honor God, what he does is he, he gave a tithe to Melchizedek, who, who many believe was like the, like the pre-incarnate Jesus coming down in that Abraham, to Abraham in that moment. And Abraham, he was standing there kind of like this. He was like, yo, 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 yo. I'm the underdog. You gave me this victory, Lord. It came from you. I get it. So I'm gonna honor you by giving a tithe to the priest. And oftentimes what happens is people say, say well, where should I tithe, though? And I say we do it like Abraham. And we give our tithe to the place where we worship God. We give it to the church that ministers to us. And so, so if you attend a different church on a Sunday morning, go tithe there. Because <laughs> it's not actually about us wanting your money. This is about us teaching you a principle, what the Bible says about giving. 
because I care more about what God's doing in your heart than what God's doing in your pocketbook, to be perfectly honest with you. But let's move the conversation away from this, any thoughts of this being transactional. Because I don't want you to, to respond out of obligation. I'm gonna give so I can get. I'm gonna give because I'm told. But I want you to think of love. Because as a Christian, we're, we're in love with the Savior. We're in, we're in love with Jesus. And Jesus' greatest mission, what Jesus said is Jesus said, I will build my church. And so the, building the church is obviously important to him. And this is where tithing comes in. Because when we give, essentially what we're saying is we're saying, Jesus, since you love and since you gave to, the, to build the church, I want to do that too. Because I love what you love. And, and, and you see building the church as an important thing. And so I see building the church as an important thing. And when you give your tithe with that heart, this is when you learn the secret to worship with your giving. When you tithe, you're actually worshiping God. So let me, let me, let me close with this. In, in Genesis, we have the story of Cain and Abel, right? And, and Cain and Abel, they both brought gifts to God when they got all older and they wanted to show God how, much, how meaningful God was to them. And, and so they both brought gifts. And God accepted Abel's gift, but he didn't accept Cain's. And the question is, why? In Hebrews 11, verse four, it says that Abel brought the better sacrifice. And the word better is fascinating because what it speaks to is it speaks to this idea of a number, of bulk or, or, or of weight of something. And Abel said, I, I, I'm going to give you a bulk gift, a, a weight, a number. I'm going to give you something bulky, weighty, something substantial, something that costs me something. And then there's Cain. And he was essentially a gardener, farmer. He's looked around. He's like, okay, I can give him some of this. I can give him some of this. You know, I'll give him some of these brown bananas. And here you go, Lord. That's my gift. And gave, Cain gave just a little. And Abel's worship was accepted. And when you give your tithe, it represents something significant, something substantial to you. Not necessarily in, in, in numbers, not comparison, comparable to other people. Because I remember when I was in university, when I was in college, in Bible school, learning how to be, be a pastor. I remember, I remember being in super, in, in, in a superstore and, and I made too much money to qualify for student loans, but not enough money to actually receive a student loan. And I was like, man, Shandy and I were just newly married. I remember we had like $29 in our bank account and we had to buy groceries for the Monday to the Saturday. And I remember with tears in my eyes watching as this, this family walked by with this like big overflowing cart of food and the kids were like all obnoxious to their mom. Mom, I want this, mom, I want that. And I remember walking with my like meager little cart with all like the sale items and, and thinking to myself like, God, this isn't how I thought Christian, Christianity was supposed to be, <laughs> you know? But I still remained faithful to my tithe because it wasn't, this, this isn't mine. And in that season, I didn't have this many vegetables. I would have loved to have this many vegetables, living on ramen. But, but, but in that season, I was like, God, I, I'll, I'll give you what I got, though. 
And that meant something. So it's not, I'll tithe when I'm comfortable. It's, I'll tithe in, in any season that I'm in. Because God, I, I want to show you that what you've given to me matters. Why 10%? Well, 10% is a number of testing. In the Bible, we see it. We see the Ten Commandments, the Ten Plagues of Egypt. Jacob survived testing uh, under the father-in-law, under his father-in-law Laban. Ten times changed my wages, never stolen from you. You know, like like like, like ten is a, a repetitive number in the scriptures. And in many ways, this number of testing, a tithe kind of serves as a heart test. It's it's God, I love you, and I want to pass the test. Even if I have to downsize and realign things, even if I gotta cut my Netflix my Netflix subscription, because I I want I want to honor you with what I have, and I do it because I love you and I want to worship you. That's the heart. Can I invite the band back up? And we'll close with this. Actually, in fact, I'll just invite you all to stand. If everybody could stand with me, I'm gonna pray. And we'll close with some worship and we'll call it a night. And we're thankful. Today's Thanksgiving. We're thankful, God. We're so thankful. Because, God, we're thankful for everything that you have blessed us with. And my prayer for you tonight is that God would help you to see what he has blessed you with. That you'd be able to have that that heart of thankfulness. Because when we're lacking and when we're hard, when life is tough and when things aren't going smooth, sometimes it's hard to see God in that process. And so, so we're gonna pray that God would help you to be thankful for, for what he's given you. And I'm gonna allow God to speak to you. So Jesus, let's close our eyes together. Jesus, I thank you that you're real. <laughs> and God, I thank you that you're here. And I thank you that your scriptures talk about finances. I think of that verse in Luke where it says that we can't serve both God and money. Lord, would you show us what that means in our life? Would you show us, Father, what it means to be thankful? Would you show us what it means to be faithful? Because God, I believed more than I've ever believed. That God, you've entrusted each and every person in this room with gifts. Not just financially, but with talents and skills and abilities, with dreams. Lord, the, the future of the church is standing in this room right now. And Jesus, you've got a call and a purpose on each and every life in this room. So Jesus, would you help us to see ourselves the way you see us? Help us to see your finances Help us to see our finances the way you see our finances. Help us to see ourselves from your perspective. Because God, I'm in a room of world changers right now. A room of leaders. A room of mavericks. Trendsetters. People who have been placed here for such a time as this. And God, they are not the future church, they're the church right now. And so Lord, I pray that you would help them to see that. Help them to see how they can be a part of the solution to impacting and changing this island. So Father God, we thank you for what it is that you've done in the past. But God, tonight, we thank you for what you're gonna do in the future because Lord, you're not done yet. 
So God, show us what that means. We're thankful to be here. We're thankful for what you're doing. In your name we pray, amen.